0: Section One of Through East Anglia in a Motor Car by J. E. Vincent. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter One of Through East Anglia in a Motor Car by J. E. Vincent. Winter Oxford to Cambridge, Newmarket and Ipswich. Part One Practical Observations. Roads. Cambridge to Newmarket. Mostly flat, not good. Newmarket to Bury St. Edmunds. Fair. Bury St. Edmunds to Ipswich. Poor and very sinuous. Hills. A sharp rise to Newmarket. Some small ups and downs between Newmarket and Bury St. Edmunds. Some small ups and downs between Ipswich and Stowmarket. Distances Cambridge to Newmarket, thirteen and a quarter miles, Newmarket to Bury St Edmunds, fourteen miles, Bury St Edmunds via Stowmarket to Ipswich, twenty five and a half miles. Note well, great care is necessary in driving through Ipswich owing to narrow streets and fast tramcars the year 1905 had almost run out when this volume was finally decided upon and then a good many things happened according to expectation and otherwise christmas came surprising the railway companies as usual but not the public and the resignation of mr balfour's government the resignation of mr balfour with its corollary of a general election involved some unavoidable delay in opening this campaign of pilgrimages in east anglia for during that general election almost everybody who owned a motor-car and could drive it or thought he could drive it was stirred to lend his car and his energies to the service of his party by motives of double cogency he desired more or less keenly at the outset but always vehemently and even passionately after he had tasted the joy of battle to lend his aid to the political party of his choice and he knew further that the general election of 1906 had provided motorists with a priceless opportunity of doing missionary work among the electorate at a critical moment in the history of automobilism he felt that the motor act of nineteen o three of limited duration in any event needed to be supplanted by a measure treating him as a reasoning and responsible being rather than as a dangerous beast and having some hope that the royal commission then sitting would report in his favour as on the whole it has reported he recognised that enlightened self-interest made it desirable to educate public opinion into the frame of mind suitable for the reception of an enabling measure for these reasons and some that are immaterial it was not convenient to make the first raid into East Anglia until nearly the end of January nineteen o six, and that was a period calculated to try the reality of man's or woman's sincerity as a devotee of motoring by a somewhat severe test. How that test was applied, it shall be my endeavour to tell in a narrative form and to that form a preference will be given throughout the book digressions being made as occasion serves or fancy calls to mention matters of practical utility or of intelligent interest let me therefore cut the cackle and come not to the osses by any means but to the country and to the motor cars on monday january the twenty third nineteen oh six my daughter and i proceeded first to oxford and then to cambridge by rail both journeys were an object lesson in the inferiority of the railway train as it is arranged in england to the motor car for purposes of cross-country travel our starting point being abingdon distant six miles only from oxford we were compelled to change trains at radley en route a long wait at oxford would have been irritating if it had not been providential as it was it furnished me with a private copy of mr f j haverfield's romano british norfolk extracted from the victoria county history and the dreadfully tedious journey to cambridge allowed me to master that most accomplished and useful work cambridge we reached not for the first time by any means well after dusk and there we lay as they used to say in old times at the bull hotel on king's parade in reasonable comfort an undergraduate kinsman of trinity college "'having cheered us by his company at dinner. "'Here let me pause for a moment "'to speak of an all-important matter. "'It has been written "'that we were comfortably entertained at the bull. "'It might be added "'that the hotel seemed much cleaner and brighter "'than when I last entered it, "'and that the charges were, for an English hotel, "'not unreasonable.' Unfortunately, it must be said also that the charges at the Bull and throughout the United Kingdom are far in excess of those for which at least equal accommodation and at least equally palatable fare can be obtained on most parts of the continent frequented by tourists, and that this fact is at once the most serious obstacle to tours by motor-cars at home, and the principal cause why Englishmen go touring abroad to the neglect of their own country, the prejudice of British hotel-keepers, and the profit of the foreigner. They do not, I think, desire to ignore the beauties of their own country. They are even anxious to study it in detail. But the hotel-keepers of the provinces, without quite killing the goose that lays the golden eggs, have a suicidal habit of making nesting accommodation so expensive that the bird being a wise bird really becomes perforce migratory as the swallow more unwise in relation to the motorist even than in relation to the ordinary traveller it will be observed that there is no special reference to the bull and that we did not go there as motorists openly HOTEL KEEPERS FREQUENTLY BEHAVE AS IF THEY THOUGHT THE OWNER OF A MOTOR CAR MUST NEEDS POSSESS AN ENDLESS SUPPLY OF READY MONEY, WHEREAS THE LEGITIMATE INFERENCE FROM HIS OWNERSHIP OF AN EXPENSIVE VEHICLE IS THAT HE HAS NONE TO SPARE. MOTOR CARS OF REAL VALUE, AND NO SENSIBLE MAN WILL have THEM OF ANY OTHER KIND, CANNOT BE OBTAINED ON CREDIT. AND HOTEL KEEPERS MIGHT HAVE LEARNED FROM EXPERIENCE THAT A BANKING ACCOUNT IS REDUCED UNLESS IT BE AN OVERDRAFT, NOT INCREASED BY DRAWING A HEAVY CHECK UPON IT. SOME DAY, PERHAPS, THERE WILL BE AN IMPROVEMENT IN THIS RESPECT. IN THE MEANWHILE, THE PATH IS NOT ALTOGETHER CLEAR BEFORE HIM WHO WOULD FAIN PLAY THE PART OF GUIDE TO HIS FELLOW MEN so long ago as 1799 a correspondent of the norfolk chronicle wrote there is room for a most useful work in the form of an itinerary which shall give an impartial account of the several inns of the kingdom under the heads of quality cleanliness beds etc there is still just as much room but until the law of libel shall be changed the most useful work is not likely to be written certainly i am not going to write it not that i lack the inclination nor the desire to be of service not that i have not a nice taste for comfort nor an experience of british and irish hotels possessed by few men other than commercial travellers simply because i cannot afford the time or the money to fight a series of actions, in which a verdict for the defendant would leave me still liable for the difference between my solicitor's bill, of costs, as between solicitor and client, and the same bill taxed as between party and party. The utmost that is possible, and at the same time prudent, is to point to examples of merit. Demerit dearness and dirt must go unchastised my arrangement with a friend who had done as much electioneering as he and his car could endure was that he should run down from london and pick us up at the bull on tuesday after luncheon tuesday morning therefore a frosty windless somewhat misty morning was spent in what in our domestic circle is called abroading in cambridge that is to say in visiting places of paramount interest but let the reader take heart some little knowledge of cambridge the fruit of many sojourns and of considerable reading is not going to be made an excuse for a topographical archaeological an architectural chapter upon a subject worthy of a long book already treated in many volumes grave and gay even if such a chapter could be legitimate here it would be wrong for a mere oxford man to write it and i shall never forget how when i was staying at cambridge a year or two ago a cambridge friend who took me out sightseeing closed my mouth before it was opened so to speak by saying you are absolutely forbidden to ask where our high is as matters stand remembering always that this cambridge friend is not at my elbow and firmly believing with mr ruskin that the high at oxford is not to be matched in the world as a whole i am inclined to think King's College, as seen from King's Parade, leaves nothing to be desired, and that King's College Chapel has a claim almost equal to that of St George's Chapel, Windsor, to be recognised as the most exquisite example of perpendicular architecture to be found in England. Of course, the best way to see all there is at Cambridge, and to understand it, is to live at cambridge and the next best is to go there often and to study it piecemeal to try to absorb impressions of cambridge in one visit even one of many days is to submit the human brain to too severe an ordeal on former occasions i had seen the backs in summer had spent an hour or two in the senate house on a state occasion had looked into the university library, and had admired the delightfully free and easy way in which graduates are permitted to borrow its books, had seen cricket played, and had played football on Parker's Peace, had stayed in college rooms at Keys, and yet impressions remained a little confused in memory. This time we went to King's College, and to the chapel especially again if it falls behind st george's at all it is in point of lightness in which st george's is perfect so to trinity college where we admired unfeignedly the great court neville's court and the library and spoke politely of the chapel where the grinling gibbons carvings are really good but it was in the library that one would gladly have spent hours a lecture was in progress in the hall so that was close to us but the library is perfect somewhere in the world there may be an equal of it but in a life of fairly extended wandering i have not entered its match one hundred and sixty feet long forty feet wide with its carved bookcases its abundant busts of famous men its portraits its magnificent collection of coins its rare books and manuscripts its unbroken stillness and above all its ample and all-pervading light trinity college library is not merely a book lovers paradise but even a place to compel an air loving man to be bookish. Hence to St. John's, many quartered with walls of ancient brick and stone dressings, the most architecturally individual of Cambridge's colleges, and so by the bridge of sighs across the chilly green and exiguous Cam to the backs. These, since there had been no white frost of the dainty kind that drapes a landscape in a fairy veil of silvered lace were not at their best but in summer they are of rare beauty still this was winter so the small remaining part of the morning was devoted to a pilgrimage to magdalen the only college entirely situated on the left bank of the cam famous mainly for the peepsian library everybody knows how the six volumes of shrewd gossip in shorthand were discovered and interpreted and itself a quiet and sequestered retreat in appearance although the undergraduates are not always in the mood appropriate to their environment by two o'clock the charioteer had come his face bearing traces of the black fog through which he had forced his way out of london the 15 horsepower panhard with a short wheelbase was in the yard we must be tolerant he said of his panhard shortcomings after a fortnight of hard electioneering on the part of master mechanic and car and he had come down from london on three cylinders IN DUE COURSE, THE PANHARD CAME ROUND TO THE DOOR, DINTED A LITTLE BY THE MISSILES OF PARTISANS, HAVING LOST SOME OF THE WHITE PAINT OF HER REAR NUMBER UNDER THE IMPACT OF VOTERS' iron shod TOES, A LITTLE WAR-WORN AND DINGY, IN FACT, TO THE EYE. HER CARRYING CAPACITY WAS, HOWEVER, SOON TESTED SEVERELY, AND SHE BORE THE TRIAL UNFLINCHINGLY first luggage a suitcase for the daughter the same for my friend the charioteer a small kit bag for me nothing visible for the mechanic a stalwart ex-soldier of six feet and fourteen stone if he was an ounce charioteer in motor coat was about thirteen stone he and an undergraduate of some nine stone sat in the front seats the mechanic on the step. In the back seats were my daughter, say, ten stone, wraps included, myself, say, thirteen stone, in the like condition, and on the back step a second undergraduate, say, eleven stone, seven pounds, for the two young men were going to pilot us out of Cambridge. But the little Panhard made no account of these things and started off as a greyhound from the slips practical considerations make it desirable to say what my daughter and i wore my friend and his mechanic wore a lot precisely in what detail i cannot say my daughter wore a thick tweed dress a short fur coat a mackintosh with sleeves gathered in at the wrists over that a red Connemara cloak sometimes its colour proved to be of incidental advantage later in quite an unexpected way a motor cap and veil fur-lined gloves and a muff I wore a vest flannel shirt lined corduroy waistcoat ordinary tweed trousers a rowing sweater over the waistcoat thick Norfolk jacket thick ulster coat without inner sleeves gathered worse luck and loose woolen gloves i was never too warm often much too cold and the woolen gloves turned out a fraud they were of no use as a protection against wind and cold combined and a motor car makes its own wind in fact there is nothing like leather with or without fur or wool within the undergraduates were useful as pilots to jesus lane where we turned to the right which brought us in fact although not in name into the direct road for newmarket not that it is so difficult in cambridge as in many other towns in east anglia to solve correctly the all-important problem how to find the absolutely right exit having regard to the point sought in the distance but the streets of the heart of cambridge are of an exceptional narrowness and we were not through them without becoming witnesses of an incident almost worthy of the title accident which delayed us a little and might have delayed us more but for the camaraderie of motorists we were proceeding slowly up a narrow street behind a motor omnibus, the roadway being wide enough to allow two vehicles to pass, but no more. On the off side of the omnibus, facing it, were a motor car, attended, as the law directs, at rest by the kerb, and a tradesman's cart and horse behind the car, cart and horse being unattended, as is not unusual, law or no law the horse perceiving the motor omnibus and being probably unaccustomed to the sight proceeded at once to give one of those convincing exhibitions in equine intelligence which must be the constant joy of the thick and thin champions of that traditionally noble animal planting its forefeet onto the pavement it backed the cart violently into the bonnet of the passing omnibus, of course blocking the route completely. Somebody, possibly the man who ought to have been in charge, came up and pulled the stupid brute into line, but not before it had also contrived to injure a wing of the resting and innocent motor car. The omnibus was disabled for a time at any rate, Traffic accumulated rapidly behind us. It seemed likely that we might have to spend the rest of the afternoon in this street that might justly be called straight. But the injured motor car was most courteously backed out of the way to make a passage for us, and we proceeded on our journey rejoicing and grateful. It would be a stretch of imagination. In fact, it would be what the late Sir William Harcourt once called a good thumping lie, to say that the exit from Cambridge to the eastward has any features of interest, or that the dead level of the Newmarket Road for the first few miles is attractive on a cold and dull day, when Ely, dominating the low-lying plain in decent weather, is not visible to the naked eye. This fen country has its charm of appearance no less than of history. Its history, indeed, is an engineering epic to which it will be possible to allude, hardly to do justice, at a later point. January the 24th, nineteen o six, was not a day calculated to make the motorist feel in a romantic mood concerning the fens. The road, straight, level, muddy where it was not metalled, metalled where it was not muddy, was lost in grey vapour to the front of us. The prospect on either side was of flat ploughed land, and of land on which the steaming plough horses were even then at work. There was no distant view at all. Some five or six miles out of Cambridge the undergraduates alighted to walk home through the mud and we left them behind with many shoutings of farewell reflecting to ourselves the while that one of them who with the true carelessness of a twentieth-century undergraduate of cambridge or for that matter of oxford was wearing tennis shoes would find walking in the mud to be one of those carnal pleasures whereof satiety cometh soon rather than late soon we passed a church close to the road on the left a striking structure of brick and stone and said to be the finest example of decorated architecture in east anglia how that can be having regard to the existence of ely and the rhapsodies that are penned concerning its decorated portion is not for me to say at any rate bottisham church commanding the landscape as it can only be commanded in a plain, is a stately and beautiful structure leaving an abiding impression on the memory it is in fact essentially a motorist church that is to say one of which a passing view gives sincere pleasure the afternoon had advanced more than was desirable i did not like to ask my kindly charioteer to make a detour for Swaffham, which i then believed to lie on our left instead of that i regaled him with memories of Swaffham, which have their proper place in another chapter the conversation helped to pass the time at any rate it did no harm and it was only a month or two later in the maid's head at norwich that i learned where the real swatham was and that this detour if it had been made would have shown us nothing but the relics of two churches at Swaffham prior and another church at Swaffham bulbeck now there is an end of the dead level whereof the most eager of motorists is apt to grow weary if only because it gives his good car nothing to do. At Bottesham, among the fens, in fact, but not in their heart, the road is but forty-six feet above the sea level at King's Lynn, but in the course of two miles to Streetway, surely Roman by its name the road rises rapidly and the panhard climbs cheerfully to a height of one hundred and seventy feet an upland having regard to its surroundings on the western side the very air eagerly as it bites the cheeks of those who are forced through it seems more bracing more exhilarating more instinct with life than the stagnant atmosphere of the plain here are wide spaces pines and scotch firs but the spaces are not wild for innumerable whiteboards on posts the marks of galloping grounds tell us that we are on the confines of newmarket heath and near the metropolis of the turf such it has been since the days of charles the first and such having regard to the fact that it has been for upwards of a century and a half the headquarters of the jockey club it is likely to remain even though the going be better at newbury and berkshire which is a little nearer to london but we are not at newmarket yet there is the devil's dyke irreverently called the ditch where it bisects the familiar course to be crossed why his satanic majesty should be credited with so many dikes, it is not easy to see devil's punch bowls of which there are scores if not hundreds in the kingdom are more natural and rational for a being of satan's traditional environment might reasonably be credited with thirst upon a large scale and with a liking for cold punch equal to that which was all but the temporary ruin of mr pickwick and quite fatal for the time to his young friend upon another memorable drive to ipswich for that was our destination too the devil did not make this dyke running from reach north of the great eastern railway to ditton green near woodditton that is certain yet nobody knows exactly who the builders were what is known is that it has a rampart on the west side and that the iceni of whom all that is necessary will be told soon held the land to the eastward so far as land was held in those days probably like their successors in the same territory in medieval times during the stuart period and now they had a good conceit of themselves and a robust contempt for their western neighbours and therefore perhaps they built them this rampart and digged this ditch or made their captives dig it for them as a bulwark against the outer world it must be confessed however that thoughts and conversation ran not on the iceni not on the violent deaths which came to most of them eighteen centuries and a half ago but on the death of one man of our time whom newmarket heath had known as a familiar visitor only a few days before sir james miller had died full of racing honours but by no means of years a tribute to the memory of this prince of racing men was surely due most appropriately at Newmarket. Of Newmarket, the story needs no telling. It is not, perhaps, so long as that of Cambridge, but probably it is better known to a greater number of persons. Equally well known are the seats of the mighty in the immediate vicinity but perhaps the traveller through Newmarket, and to it by road, will not only notice the thoroughbreds, if there be any on view, we naturally saw none late on a winter's afternoon, but will not resent the fact that his attention is directed to an interesting feature of Newmarket, as of other racing and training centres. Newmarket may be, as lord chesterfield said in his will that it was an infamous seminary of iniquity and ill manners men may back horses at newmarket may gamble may try every cunning device known to those who have to do with horses not that some of those who are concerned with motors are much better but newmarket in appearance at least is free from that worst of all evils poverty which is rarely absent from agricultural arcadia and as dr Jessop has shown very prevalent in east anglia its houses are trim and weatherproof the paint of doors and gates is clearly renewed often the whole place has an air of prosperity which disarms curious investigation into the sources of its wealth the children are rosy and plump and that at any rate is a blessing and save perhaps for backing a horse with judgment now and again which is a great deal less vicious than backing one without knowledge or judgment i dare be sworn that their morality and their standard of life are much higher than those of the arcadian peasant the weak light was growing quite dim as we passed through newmarket and out of cambridgeshire into suffolk out of the shears into east anglia in the narrowest sense of the term our course for Bury st edmunds lay along a road of astonishing straightness having many fine oaks and other trees on either side for the matter of levels it was and of course is a series of long ups and downs of no very severe gradients and the going on the newly frozen road left nothing to be desired at kenford according to the ordnance map and the tradition of the antiquaries of yesterday we crossed the Icknield or heeled way unfortunately from the point of view of one who would like to conjure up visions of ancient britons neatly painted with woad in summer fur clad in winter sweeping down this road with scythe chariots to meet an invader from the west or to make a raid into the midlands themselves the eisenhield way has to be numbered among the pretty traditions which cannot be cherished any longer it has been called the war-path of the iceni or a principal roman road ickleton in cambridgeshire icklingham in suffolk ickleford in hertfordshire have been imagined to represent points upon its route from norwich to berkshire and the west but probabilities philology and charters are separately fatal to the theory and they are irresistible in combination over philology i shall not delay any longer than to say on the best authority that according to well-known laws if the places now known as icklingham and so on had been called after the iceni they would have been written otherwise than they are Again, if the way had been the war-path of the iceni, it would certainly be more clearly traceable in the east, which was theirs, than in the west, which was not, whereas the contrary is the case. Charters are even far more deadly to this romance than philology and probability. Referring to the date of the Norman conquest and to the icenhield way, mr haverfield says not till three centuries later do we find its name applied to roads in hertfordshire and cambridgeshire while east of newmarket we never find it at all this is conclusive for it is the considered judgment of a man exceptionally learned and acute upon the subject to which he has devoted most of the leisure of an academical life and so this avenue of romance and to romance is definitely and permanently closed end of chapter 1 part 1